1: This is The Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex
2: Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Finding CBD, we explore the intersection between real estate and cannabis. Today's guest is Jake Bordessa, a veteran in the real estate industry, having built his career across multiple segments, such as commercial real estate development and finance, and is currently focused on the cannabis industry, having extensive experience in all segments, from genetics to formulation to production and extraction. Jake, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Jake.
3: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me
2: on, looking forward to it. So tell us a bit about yourself, Jake.
3: Uh, originally from northern california uh, went to school down in santa barbara and after after schooling got into the real estate space uh, really enjoyed the value add proposition of going in renovating properties and then about 2015 2016 um, started looking into the cannabis space uh, being in northern california uh, the recreational marijuana scene had come on come up to legalization and then more recently after that, the 2014 Farm Bill had passed, which essentially was the first passing to legalize CBD from a nationwide standpoint. So since 2016, uh, really been focusing on the space, figuring out how we could um, use cannabis, both uh, THC and CBD to help people out with their lives or better yet improve you know, how they feel on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. Um well, Style in a bit around cannabis. I think most people think they understand cannabis, but actually don't really understand it. So tell us a little bit about the business, particularly what is the difference between THC, CBD, flower, a joint versus vaping. Just give us ABC. a perspective on what on what cannabis is really?
3: Great question, and I think this leads to a lot of confusion within the space because we have people that discuss marijuana, we have people that discuss hemp. However, at the end of the day, they're the same plant. It just determines the ratio in which the cannabinoids, uh, CBD and THC, which are the two most common found cannabinoids within the cannabis plant, depending on which ratio they're produced in. Uh, leads to the categorization of marijuana, which is above 0.3% on the THC concentrate by volume by weight, and then hemp or CBD-based flower, which is less than 0.3% THC. So, even though it's the same plant, how the cannabinoids develop within the genetics determines whether or not it's hemp or marijuana.
2: So it literally looks the same. You you couldn't know just by looking at the plant what whether or not it was. Uh, grown or raised to be THC versus to be hemp?
3: Uh, Generally, you cannot. Now, some of the higher indoor grade marijuana has, you know, several layers of crystals on it, and you generally don't see that level of crystallization within the hemp plant. So to an untrained eye, you will not be able to see the difference between the two. Uh, They look, they look, grow, smell the same however when you get down to the chemical testing or cannabinoid testing is when the levels uh, show through within the different uh, parameters
1: well so chemically though there is a slight difference right i mean one gets you high and one doesn't so is that true? so give me a sense of, of why people should care about cbd over thc where one is more recreational versus the other perhaps more medicinal like give us some perspective on as a consumer uh, now that around the country um, state by state there's legalization and all that um, people would want to know like why should we go for one versus the other Um, how the market and the industry has opened up to provide Uh, access to these products for consumers in different ways, vapes, edibles, and all that. Where where do we see, as a consumer, where do we see this industry? uh, How do we approach it? How do we attack it? How do we access it?
3: Great question. Now, I think one of the biggest challenges that the CBD business has faced in the past is that when it first came on the scene, it was touted to be this miracle drug. It was touted to help anxiety tattered to help stress, you know, maybe help you sleep, pain relief. But as we get further into the research, we're starting to find that these chemicals, you know, cannabinoids, whether it's CBD or THC, generally tend to work best when they're grouped with the original products they're grown with. So um, through the processing of these plants, uh, it's made it difficult for the CBD business because there's so much expectation that is to be derived or the feeling you get from CBD However, what we've discovered is that this, you know, the CBD cannabinoid doesn't necessarily interact or interlock with our endocannabinoid system as high, as bad, as good as the THC uh, molecules do. So therefore, when we have a less of a binding effect, uh, individuals uh, don't necessarily feel, you know, the effects of CBD. And I think that's where the anticipation People you know, go out and buy these products, they tend to be very expensive, but when you don't have the cause and effect that you do with taking THC, uh, people get um, you know, discouraged from it and they're not I'm exactly sure of what they're paying for or what they're getting. So my, my analogy, you know, THC is great because you're able to have a direct cause and effect, you know exactly what it's doing to your body, you feel it immediately. Whereas CBD, you know, it was intended to be the cause and effect or it's been sold to be a cause and effect item. However, I I feel it more as a, a modulating or mood regulator versus a cause and effect uh chemical that people ingest.
2: Well, if I recall correctly, at the beginning, the whole push on CBD was all the benefits that people were touting from marijuana, whether it was giving you an appetite if you were too thin or coming out of chemotherapy or uh, or pain relief for certain uh, arthritic pain and other pains in the body, uh, that you could get the medicinal, medicinal benefit from the plant without getting high. So without not being able to drive or not being able to function or not being able to take care of your kids or to run the home or to go to work. I, that was the, the the original, I thought that was the whole benefit of CBD. Is that still the case? Uh, and, and if so, is the CBD side holding its own in terms of producing results that people expected it would?
3: You know, unfortunately, that has not turned out to be the case. Um, the After consuming of, uh, I think all those benefits could play a factor and they could still be involved, but as research comes out, we're finding how the uh, cannabidiol or CBD interacts with our system. And it may not necessarily be with the endocannabinoid system, but there may also be uh, maybe within our gut or within other regulatory systems in our body is where the interaction is coming from. Uh, More recently, you know, they did a study. Um, regarding CBDA and CBGA, which are the acidic forms of these cannabinoids, and the University of Oregon, uh, University of Oregon State has found that it could prevent, you know, the onset of COVID through an immunity booster. And so we just don't know enough about the current research of what these individual cannabinoids do and how it affects our body. Uh, one thing I would say though, the people that are seeking the pain relief and people that are seeking some of these, you don't necessarily need to have a major spike in THC, but having a a small amount of THC drives the effectiveness of the cannabidiol or CBD through the process. So I think what we're learning is, you know, we'll get into this further in the conversation, how CBD is being processed doesn't necessarily always equate to the best effect for the consumer. Whereas if you do the minimization of the process, you leave the other cannabinoids, the other terpenes, you get the entourage effect, then you have a much more effective CBD product.
1: Okay, so so basically, what you're saying is, if you just smoke a joint, you'll be better off. I mean, what? What? I mean, I think the entire industry is obviously um, around the country exploded, and it feels like the, a gold rush, if you will, where everybody wants to get uh, into cannabis. You see all the celebrities, actors, and basketball players, and all of that it, rushing into the space as if it's this next. You know big big thing right it's just it's this wonder drug if if you will but what you tobacco
2: right the next <laughs> tobacco it
1: doesn't that doesn't kill you right it just kind of makes you makes you high literally and so the, the the point though is that there's all of these uses of the plant and of the chemicals the cbd on one side THC on the other the hemp on the other and, um, for building material i mean all kinds of uses so where does um so where, what is the most profitable I and mean, where what is the space that has the most potential? Like, where, where do we see this going? What direction? Please elaborate on that.
3: Where to start here? So when we're looking at the space in terms of profitability um, and how the plant is processed, we can't necessarily relate it to the THC side because the THC space has always been um, driven by curiosity and through improvement, so it's really difficult to develop brand loyalty within the space because one of the aspects people are seeking is the varietal of effects. You know, they like the idea of trying something different and new all the time. And I think the major trouble with the commercialization of cannabis and CBD alike is that everyone interacts differently with the plant, and so we're trying to develop. Um, a nutraceutical supplement that has an 80 percent effect in 100 of the people taking it and what we found you know both in the marijuana space and in the cbd space is that generally people interact differently with the ratio of cannabinoids that they're taking uh, if you're a be- beginner user or advanced user your tolerance levels are different and so within the cbd space you know now that i think more research is coming out about maybe the ineffectiveness of CBD on its own, but more of the effectiveness of a full spectrum or broad broad spectrum um, material. We're starting to see second rounds of products that are coming out that are leading towards higher efficacy and higher effectiveness for the consumer. Uh, Sometimes they're now being combined with other dietary supplements that help with um, inflammation or sleep or anxiety so I kind of see it as the round two of products that are coming on the market, not, of, not only are incorporating CBD, but also incorporating other plant-based medicines or herbs to also induce that effect and make it a more effective product.
2: Does, uh, does THC CBD, do, do they have a problem because the easiest, most effective, quickest way to inject the drug into the system is by inhaling it? Which in, inherently inhaling anything warm is bad for the lungs. Does CBD come in oils and other ways that you don't have to smoke it? Uh, or is there an advantage to having only CBD product? Or is it still the best way, especially if you want to have some THC, which it sounds like you're saying a little THC in the mix actually could enhance the effects of the CBD side of the equation? Uh, do you still have to? Do you still have to inject it through uh, a smoking mechanism as opposed to edibles or something to get the best results?
3: Uh, No, I, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. You know, we're looking at a dietary supplement that people are taking for health purposes. You don't necessarily want to be smoking or inhaling anything if you're trying to be the healthiest you can be. So I think the the rawest, most purest form is is a tincture product that could be delivered, you know, underneath your tongue. And it enters through your bloodstream, you know, relatively quickly versus going into an ingestible that would travel through your stomach and take some time to metabolize within your system. So I do think a tincture product is probably the most effective and healthiest, healthiest way to consume, you know, cannabidiol or CBD.
2: So are we in the brand uh, creation phase of marijuana in this country? Are we at the beginning where someone's going to turn out to be the McDonald's and someone's going to be the Coca-Cola? Or, you know, you know, one brand is Burger King, one brand is McDonald's? Because, you know, when you mention how people are trying to figure out which brand to try and which quality they like, aren't they also looking for replication? Aren't they looking for the particular brand that gives them what they want and they know they'll get that quality control? And how do we get that quality control in a brand new industry like this where everybody's fighting for market share or trying to establish themselves? Like Alex says, brands coming up from athletes and from movie stars and from companies like Philip Morris trying to get into the business with Canadian publicly traded marijuana companies, etc.
3: Yeah, you know the space has been really fragmented due to the legalization state by state, and so we have conglomerates that are trying to enter the space, trying to get a strong foothold. And I believe more, more and more so now. There's name recognition across multiple states. Uh, licensed contributors have, have gone in, essentially purchased these dispensaries or these channels to promote their brand through states that are legalized nationwide. Uh, so we are definitely in the brand creation phase. You know, I think we're seeing a lot of disappointment coming from the Canada side of the border where uh, we have a lot of public funding. We have a lot of projections to meet these amazing uh, growth and, and profitability set up. But when you look at the end of the day, producing cannabis on large scale and maintaining the quality and continuing to grow has always been a challenge. You know, I I really related to the food industry, or even, you know, beer and wine, or generally, when you have something that's craft high end organically grown, or as a plant based material, it's tough to duplicate that on a mass scale. And so I think you, you always have the smaller providers. Uh, and I think in the states where uh, recreational marijuana has been around, um, the, the bigger name players are able to develop the consistency of the products and develop their brand reputation. But when you read about um, the commercialization of cannabis, you know, online, or you see it within the sector, developing brand loyalty has been extremely difficult based on just the nature of people being interested in trying the variety of products. And I think we have to differentiate here between, you know, the marijuana space, which is more used for recreational. And then you have the CBD user that is generally trying to do it for health and wellness or medical medical benefits.
1: Okay. So now you're, now you're speaking my language. So. As Jamie mentioned earlier, you have the McDonald's and the Burger King, but I, I think it kind of kind of more akin to the Mondavis and the Stag's leap in uh, the wine industry, where you have regional um differences. You know, I don't know if there's a Napa Valley of cannabis, you know, the place where the best cannabis grows in the country. Um, or if you have we, we have the yellow tail, the boxed wine version of of cannabis and, and, and all that. And so um, the regional dish uh, the differences in the quality and or the flavor and or the varietals uh, I'm sure come into play. But I think the big piece that I, I'd like to try to understand a little bit more is the distribution, right? And so you, you know some companies and some some cannabis organizations may have the scale or may not, but they may have the distribution or not in a particular market, whether that be California or, or in fact, Florida. So how does then distribution um, change the game a bit on top of, let's just say, um, the quality of where the company is located in the consumer?
3: Excellent. Uh, I'm going to speak to the CBD space here at the moment that try to stay focused on that line. Um, the regulatory boards have really caused an issue within the CBD space because in 2017 or 2018, uh, GW Pharmaceuticals was able to get a drug approved by the FDA Epidiolex that is meant to prevent seizures, you know, in in a rare form. And so by taking on this drug classification through the FDA, it has prevented the FDA from allowing it to be categorized as a dietary supplement. And by doing so, it's really halted the, the growth pattern of the project because any business that has large distribution from a nationwide standpoint or has a lot of customer report is unwilling to carry the CBD products or cannabis-based products due to the legality of it. And so we're seeing a lot of smaller players that have a lot of confidence in the space um, grow their, grow their, their platform, however, looking to where they're going to distribute. Uh, is necessarily, it, it's difficult. And so from a CBD space, and one of the things that's attracted me to, you know, hemp versus marijuana is having the federal uh, legality. There's more banking laws put in place and you also have the ability for interstate commerce. And so you open up a market to where uh, we could be operating out of Northern California, but we could sell products in Florida, we could sell products in Texas. And so your demographic that you're speaking to is a much larger platform and so being able to sell across borders it doesn't it doesn't provide you with much restrictions on where you're going to produce where you're going to formulate and you have the ability to sell you know over the internet which is which is amazing which is great uh however i think people developing a product that is effective enough to where they're able to get the the brand the brand following and the customer loyalty has been difficult for folks and i think As we continue to develop into the research, you know, in your previous question, you kind of asked about profitability. Companies are really trying to focus on uh, particular use cases. One that's really hot right now in the market is sleep. Um, Sleep, you know, several people suffer from sleep for one reason or the other. And as further research comes out, there's a cannabinoid known as CBN, which is shown to be very effective towards sleep. So as we learn more and more about the other cannabinoids that are available and what they do, now we're starting to see companies with real traction, real marketability, um, real distribution come in and start developing products specifically for these reasons to you know get that commercialization and, and go on a larger scale.
2: Well, listen, there's no doubt distribution is a big part of any business. I mean, and and, and take it to the end the end game take it to the consumer i'll never forget the first time i went into a weed store in california which was way ahead of the curve and you walk in and you have all these brands and you have the weed on one wall and you have different chocolates and brownies and drinks and fused drinks soda drinks and coffees i'm looking at myself it reminds me when i was six years old i walked into fao shorts for the first time i'm like what all this is toys all this is for me it was. It's, it's like a kid in a candy store, uh, and and that's how you get to try different things, and that's how you get to, and that's how the brands get created. How different brands position themselves within the retail space. We just had a show talking about how important retail sales is to co- make a connection between the customer and the product. And uh, and I think you're right. As uh, different laws in different states make it easier or more difficult to be able to talk about the product, show the product, and uh, to, to your point make a profit off the product because at the beginning because it's not it's federally illegal everything had to be in cash you couldn't even deposit your money in the bank if i recall correctly i think that might have eased up a little bit but um I, i i guess over time it looks like the end game is it'll be legal everywhere, at which point none of these will be issues. And then the big, as you say, the con- I think the conglomerates, whether it's the wine conglomerates or the cigarette conglomerate companies or the food processing companies are gonna come in and use their advantage of distribution and retail space and reach to the consumer and try to build some mega brands. What do you think?
3: I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I think it's just a matter of time before we see that national legalization after the, the feds skip behind the product, um, I think it still will be um, regulated by the states. However, we will have more interstate commerce, which would be a great thing. Um, one of the challenges here in Florida, you know, I'm, I'm new to the state and not overly familiar with the uh, medical space here. But one thing that I do understand is they require all, all the medical dispensaries to be fully vertically integrated. And in that sense, you're, you're responsible for having the genetics, producing the plant, um, doing going through the extraction and maintaining the quality throughout. Um, it sounds great on paper. I mean, theoretically, you have all your uh, quality controls in place, which is great. But in order for it, you know, it creates a high barrier to entry. However, it does maintain some difficulties. You know, you, you reference a store in California that you went into and, you know, you see all of this variation of products and that's part of the experience. You have, you have the ability to test different brands, different strains, different types, different forms that you're going to be eating it in or, or inhaling it in. Uh, and then coming here to Florida where it's very restrictive on the medical side, so we're not at full recreation. But it, but it prevents those providers from being able to source quality products from elsewhere. You know, you, you really are responsible for having the ability to grow super high quality material, extract it and, and go to that point. So it makes it difficult uh, here in Florida to have, you know, to be able to work all segments at, at their best performance is, is different from what we're seeing in the West Coast.
1: So, so you know, I feel like cbd and even thc to a certain extent is like an ingredient in in a lot of ways i mean the ha- the plant is one thing and all the things you can do with the flower and the and the hemp and all that but the chemical like a thc or cbd that has effects whether medicinal or recreational uh, to me sounds like like caffeine. (laughs) I mean, in some aspects, it can do wonders for you, but other aspects, you know, it, it, it can't. And I was just looking through the internet and actually found out that caffeine at one point was illegal. Right. And then it became legalized. I think it was like 1700s or whatever.
2: And productivity exploded. (laughs) No one's getting any sleep and we don't care.
1: Right. right. And so you've got all these products that have caffeine in it. And then you've got substitutes to caffeine like taurine and guanana. And every country has their own version of it. They have their own dosages of it. You got your Red Bulls, you got your Coke 1s and Coke Zeros. And so it becomes a part of everyday life. And no one really, you know, there's no one on the street corner selling you caffeine anymore. Um uh and, and unless that's you know the way of the future of, of THC and CBD, you know, perhaps is the way of caffeine, where it's kind of in everything. So I, I don't I wonder. I mean, obviously, I don't, I'm sure people that are in the, <laughs> the CBD industry may or may not want to hear me say that, but I, I don't know if as a consumer it really matters what brand of caffeine, uh, but it matters what the product that include that, that contains the caffeine and delivery system. Right. This is right. So the Coke or the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the coffee Starbucks or whatever. So I think if there are companies and enterprising entrepreneurs that are thinking about building businesses around CBD, it probably would be interesting to create those products and make and kind of lean into that a little bit, much the same way that others have built a career and business around caffeine. I don't know, just,
3: I'm just putting it out there
2: god he sounds high <laughs> <laughs>
3: the tricky thing about cannabis you know and i try to relate this back to our food industry is in order to get cbd on its own to isolate cbd it's a highly refinement and chemical process and we're looking at a homeopathic natural you know organic material each time you expose these items to heat pressure solvents I see a degradation in the product each time. And so it's very easy as for us to say, Oh, it's just CBD. Let's, let's compare it to caffeine. But what we're not seeing is the refinement process through the phase. And so when you initially pull the oil off of the plant, it has other cannabinoids in it, it has terpenes in it, it has other material that not necessarily is used, but you slowly refine that through the process. And I'm a big proponent of trying, trying to use the material in its most organic raw form versus through the highly processed side. So I look at it as we have the pharmaceutical route that really likes to isolate and identify exactly what every chemical is. Uh, You're able to reformulate and recreate the very specific recipe. Um, But in the past, what we found is this is not always creating the most effective products within the space. Uh, if you relate this to the marijuana recreational side, things are starting to gravitate towards uh, solveness-based process, no introduction of uh, petroleum products or solvents, and getting to the oil in the most raw form that hasn't been exposed to heat or other solvents is becoming the highest grade, highest desirability product that's on the marketplace. And so with the commercialization of CBD and knowing, you know, I'll just do a quick snippet here, Even though the plant is legal to grow and the regulators come to test the THC level before harvest, uh, you have a legalized hemp plant. But as soon as that hemp material is extracted and the cannabinoids are concentrated, your THC level goes from beneath 0.3% to roughly 1% to 2%. So now you're dealing with a product that was legally grown, uh, tested by the state, uh, approved for harvest, But halfway through your processing phase, you now have what's known in the industry as a hot product or above the 0.3%. And by doing this, now we have to work backwards to get it into a form that is now legal to sell. And this generally why the industry has gravitated towards isolate is because naturally through that process, you're removing the THC from the material and making it legal to sell
2: so it sounds like um, we're, we're in a phase here where at the same time as we're still discovering what benefits we can get from the CBD side, we're also in the overall uh, industry continuing to refine and purify and improve the quality of the, of the product that you're buying, regardless of where you are in the THC uh, scale, Correct. And 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 at different states are at different stages. And Florida is slowly entering the stage now where we're going from mostly medicinal to hopefully starting to see the end game of recreational.
1: To that point, Jamie, I want to add the fact that, you know, I personally love an eight-year an eight-year-old whiskey. And I pick up a bottle of eight-year-old whiskey and I know that it's aged eight years, uh, because as a regulatory body it says that it's Eight, it's actually aged eight years. And then thus comes the quality, then this comes all of the things that goes, that's involved in creating this great experience. I feel like, or it sounds like the cannabis industry, in particular CBD, needs a regulatory body that can both substantiate the claims of the grower or the, or the producer, and uh, also give a sense of confidence to the consumer that they're getting what they're paying for and what's on the label
3: most definitely. And then going back to the FDA, you know, as soon as they are able to approve it as a dietary supplement, there's oversights and boards that are put in place, uh, certain, certain labeling requirements that are put out. And so it definitely, it definitely does need a little bit of oversight, uh, within the regulatory board, you know, it's not, not over-regulate, but something to where the consumer has confidence of what they're taking, what they're sourcing, uh, is free of, you know, pesticides, heavy metals, and also contains the cannabinoids that are claimed to be on the label.
2: And I think once we have that type of generalized or or multi-state control board or or review board, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think then you'll start to get some pricing power in the industry. I mean, I'll notice th- the funny dynamic we're in right now. You can get a card that allows you to go into a store and buy your medicinal marijuana in New York or Florida, or you can go to your dealer who still exists and get it cheaper. <laughs> so it's cheaper to get it illegally than it is to get it legally. And until that switches over, you're going to have a problem getting rid of the illegal dealers. But over time, when quality control will be established and different brands will have different reputations, and different people will be willing to spend certain prices, like you can spend a five, you can spend five dollars for a bottle of wine, you can spend five hundred dollars for a bottle of wine. So, yeah, I can't tell the difference, but some people can. And uh, and and so I think when that happens in the in the weed industry, you'll start to also get some different pricing dynamics that we're not seeing right now
1: yeah I mean I also think that people don't really go out and want to buy a bottle of wine out out of the back of some guy's truck right i mean, I think there's a no that's called more... moonshine <laughs> <laughs> Why you, you actually get make we
2: are in Florida
1: <laughs> yeah so I, I do think that there's your point right there needs to be um a, a regulatory body that can get the guys off the street um, and get people what they what they actually deserve right which is a great quality product so you know what you're doing uh, uh, is amazing. I think the work that you've you've done perhaps and will continue to do uh, in Florida dovetails what I think a lot of individuals and companies are trying to do across the country and across the world that are very, very important because the end user, us as consumers, uh, will ultimately benefit and there will be enormous opportunities for economic creation around uh, around the industry that I think will will benefit um, communities and, and households alike. So the work that you're doing is fantastic.
2: Yeah, Jake, well, I wanna thank you as well for coming on and giving our listeners a little bit of an education into the hemp and marijuana business, uh, the opportunities. And uh, we look forward to that industry hopefully taking off in Florida and being another leg of what is a tremendous growth opportunity for the people that are living down south here. So thanks for coming on.
3: Thanks for having me today, guys. Really
2: appreciate it. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co, and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week.